0: Alma Mater. This latest episode describes our three-day break at Kinkelbray's caravan site in St Andrews. Our latest jaunt in the magic caravan took us back to St Andrews where I was a student from 1971 to 76. It's only 12 miles from Dundee that doesn't stop it being one of my favourite places on the planet. It may even be the number one on my list. As I'd spent three summer holidays there before I ever went to university, I knew and still know the town like the back of my hand. These three summers with Joe, Mum and Dad were times of great adventure for us upon Kinkel Brays in a rented mobile home where we two brothers were thrown out after breakfast and only really expected to return for lunch and tea. This left our parents to enjoy their holiday fortnight as they wanted, sunbathing if the weather was kind and having a game of putting at the east sands or even on the famous Himalayas course which was situated uh, adjacent to the first green of the old course. We kept ourselves occupied on the beach or cliffs when they'd go to the pub at lunchtimes, joining up with them at 2.30 closing time for a couple of hours and playing football or sea fishing while they had an evening drink at the New Inn, the nearest pub to the campsite.
1: So it was to the self-same location that we returned. Mary, for the first time, and me, after a short gap of just 54 years. This time, of course, we brought our own caravan, something I never even dreamed of as a child, and the place had transformed into St Andrew's Holiday Park. But I reckon I'll always know it as plain and simple Kinkelbrays. Despite quite wet conditions, we managed to hitch up at the caravan storage, find our way over the Tay Bridge, pulling the caravan for the very first time, and negotiated the narrow road through Luchers and Gard Bridge to St Andrews, where we drove right through the town and out the Crail Road to the site. As we pulled onto our pitch, it miraculously stopped raining, so we were spared a second soaking as we unhitched. That afternoon, we walked down the hill along the east sands and into the town, pausing at places of interest, places we already knew but were simply reacquainting ourselves with. It was bright and sunny, so a pint on the pavement under the newly installed Corona gazebo outside the Criterion Bar was called for. I mentioned this pub in my third memoir, George, the university years, as the place where I had my one and only game for St. Andrews University darts team. That evening was part happy, I won my singles match finishing on the horrendous double 19, but part sad. As a result of losing the doubles game, I played with Joe's best friend, George Nelson. I was never invited to play for the team again, Joe and George became regulars. Refreshed by a pint of Guinness and a Morgan's and diet for Lady Burton, we moved on to my favourite St Andrew's pub, The Pat, where I drank regularly with my teammates from the University Football Club every Saturday after the match and Wednesday after training. This time we were indoors, which meant adhering to the strict antivirus rules in force in the establishment. We were greeted just inside, filled out the track and trace form, asked to put on our masks. I never thought I was that ugly. Ushered to a table set apart from all the others, told how long we could stay for, the table had been booked from 8pm onwards, and served our order without being allowed to go near the bar. The good news is that we were permitted to remove our masks to drink our drinks, although a man at the next table screamed when Mary took hers off. Our long walk back to the caravan in the dark and eventually pitch black up the slope from the beach to the top of the cliff was slightly wobblier than our descent had been, but we got back safely and enjoyed a cooked dinner before an hour or so of TV. Then bed. As is always the case, we slept like kings, as the Spanish say, "emos dormido como un rey," in the unbelievably comfy make-up bed of our wee caravan. We both sleep better in it than we ever do at home in the flat. During the night, it had clearly hammered it down with rain again, as there were great big puddles everywhere when we eventually emerged after breakfast. Bacon and eggs for me, of course, and Weetabix, the cardboard option for Lady Burton. But as the sun was now shining, we decided to stick to our plan and take on a section of the Fife Coastal Trail from Anstruther to Crail, a four-mile walk by the North Sea. So we drove down to Anstruther, parked up in a side street, and had a wee look around the harbour area before setting off on the pathway following the signposts. The weather stayed kind, there was loads to see and talk about, and a couple of hours later, Crail appeared around the corner. We were absolutely delighted with our hike and headed into the town to check on the times of buses back to Anstruther. Well, as fate would have it, we were to have a 40-minute wait. But, lo and behold, there directly across the street from the bus stop was a fish and chip shop with cute little benches and tables for two outside on the pavement. An executive decision was taken. A fish supper and a couple of fish cakes were ordered. And we enjoyed Ah. Splendid early tea outside in the sun, with not a seagull in sight. Remember, I really hate seagulls. They terrify me. Alfresco tea complete. The bus arrived on schedule. I had my bus pass at the ready, and five minutes later we were back where we'd started, alighting from the bus, less than 100 metres from the parked Audi. It was at this point that Lady Burton reminded me that as we had now eaten, we were in no great hurry to get back to the caravan. And why don't we just go back to Crail? Well, it's on the way back anyway, and take a closer look at the harbour and Crail Castle, where I told her I used to visit Joe when he lived there in 1970. Did I have a choice? Not really. So, another five minutes later, there we were, back in the centre of Crail. We parked just outside the arched entrance to the castle, walked down to the harbour, strolled along the pier, watched a flock of pigeons doing that all-flying-together thing that starlings do, and returned to the car, stopping to take a couple of photos of the castle to send to Joe. He liked that. Once back in the magic caravan, I checked my phone and noted we had walked 15,000 plus steps. A thousand more than the day before. So now it was time to relax. Lady Burton with a book and me watching Question Time with the headphones on. It rained heavily again during the night, hard enough for the drumming on the roof to waken me up but the sun was out again by the time we had done all our caravan chores. Our second walk down the cliff path and along the east sands was totally idyllic, especially the view from the top of the cliff with the beach and sea in the foreground and the familiar skyline of old St Andrews behind. What a backdrop. When we reached the lock gates at the harbour, We spotted that little cafe that has always been there. Well, not at the time of John Knox's visit, but you know what I mean. I noticed a board advertising lentil soup and sandwiches at very reasonable prices. We were hooked. We sat ourselves down at the one free table outside with the water only feet away, supped up our bowls of soup and gobbled up our cheese and ham pieces then washed it all down with a couple of cups of tea. Perfect. Then up to the cathedral we strode, along by the castle, into town and slowed to take in the shops. Lady Burton wanted to check out the charity shops, and who was I to say no? Before we knew it, it was 3.45pm, and time to go meet Mary's brother Bruce, who would be finishing school just then. We met up, went to a cafe for a coffee and catch up, then took a wander through the back streets of the great town, into St. Mary's College, where I studied theology in 1975, and round to Bruce's school, the impressively old Madras College. He even managed to take us into the school grounds to see some of the old buildings and architecture on display, warning us, however, that it would probably be the last time we would ever see these things, as the school will be moving shortly to a new build opposite the Old Course Hotel on the western approach to the university town. Once Bruce set off home, Mary and I bought a meal deal at the local supermarket, allowing us to stay out again. After our hunger had been appeased, we went back on ourselves and explored a bit more of the hidden parts of the town, especially the town section of the well-known Laid Brays Walk. That was interesting indeed, and I was puzzled as to why I'd never seen this area in all the long years i have been coming to St Andrews. Later, we visited Kinburn Park, through which I would walk at tea time and again later, after the pubs or discos had closed, on my way home to my residence in my junior honours year. In the park, we were assailed by throngs of students making their way into town for Friday night revelries, but we couldn't work out where they'd be going with the restrictions on capacity at venues like pubs, cafes, and restaurants. Inevitably, we find ourselves back in the way part, for a final couple of drinks before winding our weary way back up the hill. So much for our less active day. The walk back was brilliant, but we were happy to reach the caravan and settle down for the night. For once, there were no bats, wasps, seagulls, or any other flying enemies to spoil our time out. And we went to bed totally happy with our lot although somewhat surprised to discover that we'd actually covered 19,000 steps that day, more than the previous two days, and all done quite unintentionally. The morning of leaving day was as usual very busy, and unfortunately the rain came back on just in time to soak us, as it had done at the very start of our three days away. But we hitched up nonetheless and drove back to the storage depot without incident. By one o'clock, we were having a cup of tea back in the flat. What a great time we had. Oh, thank you, St Andrews.